Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. How you doing? Fine. Mike, I brought you on here to talk about the JFK assassination because, I mean, there's so much out there, honestly, when it comes to the JFK assassination. I've talked to so many researchers with independent theories, and everyone seems to focus on their own specific areas. And the first time we talked, we talked about the Zapruder film, and we talked about backyard photographs, which I still have some questions on the Zapruder film that I'll probably ask you later in this chat. But when it comes to what brings out in your mind evidence of a conspiracy, doesn't need to be the shooter who does it. But it can just be a cover-up, which I've kind of talked about multiple times, is that there's a lot more evidence to support that there was a cover-up going on, whether it was to make sure it was this lone theory. But the easiest statement you can make is that if you're doing an investigation of the president's death, who knows that it's a lone shooter and it has to be a lone shooter within 24 hours? I mean, knocking out anything like a getaway driver or anything of that sort, but they said, no, it was just Oswald within 24 hours. I mean, that's just that doesn't sound right right off the bat. Yeah. Well, that was Hoover. Uh, he was driving that from the get go. So when it comes to evidence, when we talk about things in your mind that stand out as some really key points, stuff that you focused into and been able to look into. Well, I think the medical evidence is just overwhelming now. I think it's compelling. Um, you, you have the fragments on the back of the head, um, that, of course, even, even Larry Sturdivan, who, who was a ballistics expert for the House Select Committee on Assassinations, uh, he has admitted that there's no way that a, that a uh, full metal jacketed bullet would have had left any fragments on the back of the head. They just don't behave like that. Um, and uh, it wasn't even at the proposed higher entry site it, it was below it and a little bit uh on the side of it but uh, he has said that uh that there's just no way that that, a, that, a, that an fmj round would would leave any fragments on the outside of the skull and then you have the brain evidence uh where it's very clear that the that the brain that was that was sectioned and examined later a week later could not have been JFK's brain had way too much material in it, too much matter in it. Um, everybody who saw the brain said at least a third of it was gone. And if you look at the back of the limo photos as well, too, you see that it looks like it's. Oh, yeah, see all, all the, the blood and brain, all the brain matter all over the place. Yeah, and um, and then you also have the fact that that the doctors the. The autopsy doctors described damage that was clearly made by two bullets, one high in the skull, one low in the skull. Um, they, you know, there's there's the there's the high fragment trail that's on the X-rays now. Uh, that's very obvious. Yet there's not a word about it in the autopsy report, and instead, the autopsy report says that there was a a low fragment trail that began slightly above uh, the EOP, the external occipital protuberance. It's yeah. the bump on the back of your head. They said it was sl slightly above that and that it went up to a point just above the right eye. Well, there's, there's no such fragment trail on the x-rays as we now have them. And also the the... Well, can I ask how much of a big mistake is that? Like, I know we talk about Parkland Hospital. You have a, a guy enter, put a trach tube through a little 
hole that was in his neck and he opened it up and put a trach tube in there. But they also didn't know how to really, they didn't have much experience doing autopsies before from what I've been told. Um, but then you get to Bethesda and you get to the actual medical center where you're dealing with the head and the brain. When I see photos of Kennedy's head, if you watch the Zapruder film, it does not match. To me, it doesn't match. I mean, it looks like you see a giant cloud of mist pop out the front of his head. Like if something, whether it was an explosion, whatever you want to say, it can be back front. I don't care. But it goes into a point where you take the Zapruder film and you match it with the actual photo of Kennedy and his face is like fully intact. The only thing is like where they pulled his scalp and it's like this whole area looks like. So when you look at that, you just go, one of these is not right. I'm more likely to believe that the autopsy photo is the actual photo and the Zapruder film is then edited. But then like, I mean, you can make anything in any of this case. There's so much evidence. You can make anything fit any direction you want it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like, like you look at the, at the, at the autopsy doctor's description of the damage in the brain, there was, the, there was very low damage uh, down in, it was, uh, near the center of the brain really low which which matched up with the with the eop entry site but then uh, you also have damage that, that that was two or three inches higher and there was nothing connecting those two lanes those two tracks yeah and you asked how much of an error it would be to uh say you know to 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 look at an X-ray and say, "Well, this this uh, this 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 high fragment trail that we see in the X-rays now, uh, that was that was actually just above the EOP. That would have been a a mind-boggling error. One, because they were they were at least two inches apart. I mean, you're talking about up here as opposed to down here." I mean, and just it's. I mean, it's you know, even a even a, a even a first year medical student would never make that kind of a mistake. I just it's just it's just uh, wildly implausible. It's you know, it's it's just fantastic, and um, and so the problem that they had, I think, on the night of the autopsy, was that they they that that they had that they had very clearly two um, wound tracks through a uh, wound pass through the head. One was high, one was low. And, and there was, there was nothing connecting them. There was no, like, you know, you didn't have a path up here and a path down here and then, and then a path going from one up to the other or from, or from the high one down to the other. You didn't have that. And so they had to make a decision. Well, okay, we can't we can't describe both of these tracks, or else people are going to think, well, wait a minute, this this looks like two bullets if there's nothing between them. Um, and so I, I think they made a, a decision that they would just ignore the uh, high fragment trail, and they did. It's it's not mentioned. In the autopsy report, not one word. In fact, it's not mentioned in their uh, testimony either. Um, and yet, when the uh, when the X-rays were released, um, oh, wait, is that a question? Behold, is that a question that could have been asked to them? 
when they're given their testimonies? Is that a question that oh, was yeah. left out or was that yeah, something like, that was just, like, how did you miss this? <laughs> how could you have missed this? Um, yeah. Cause I know we talk about like a cover up. I'm just wondering how many people were actually in on it. I think it was a couple of people from the top, obviously that, cause you're like, the weirdest thing is that when you get into the community of JFK, they always say you can't trust a witness testimony, but then that sometimes the people on the other side or conspiracy side will be like, that, that's a bad witness. It's like kind of just shouting at like different levels of witnesses and without any reputation basically to them. You don't have to explain who the person is or if they've ever lied before, just about you can't use that witness. This witness said this. It's like you're still using a witness in the long run. So it's like kind of hypocritical there but you get into a point where if you can't trust witness statements which i consider them the most valid out of them all the 70 or 90 something people that said that they saw a giant hole in the back of his head especially clint hill as well too but then you're then you rely on the evidence the forensic evidence or the medical evidence but i go well who's in charge of that medical evidence or forensic evidence the people that are going to give it to you or give you the answer it is the people that you suspect them of doing the act so it's kind of like Hale Boggs in 1971 when he was calling out J. Edgar Hoover. He said, um, you know, Hoover's wiretapping people and doing all this. And then the, the reporter goes, what's your evidence on that? He goes, well, you're asking the FBI to investigate the FBI. Like they're not going to – Well, you need a, like a nonprofit organization or another committee to do all this type of stuff. And everything that he was talking about ended up becoming true after Watergate. So, I mean, it just gets to this point where you're like – if you can't trust the medical evidence, you can't trust the ballistic evidence, can't trust this, then you have to go with the people that were there that day. And it had to be so traumatizing to them. And I have to then look at their accounts. Like how detailed was it? If I have 90 something people or however many people seeing a back hole in the back of his head, and then we have a Harper fragment where no one knows where it's at. And it looks like you could piece that little piece to the back of his head compared to what everyone else says. It was a top of the head explosion i'm like well look at the autopsy photographs they don't show a giant chunk missing out of here they show a whole destruction back here like towards the back of his head yeah well the harper fragment um of course it has vanished um once the fbi got it it vanished which is an amazing thing in and of itself but of course uh in dallas three um doctors examined it actually actually handled it and they were the one who um they were the ones who had photos taken of it and 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 we have those photos and and they're very clear high quality photos but all three of those doctors um one of whom uh was a neurosurgeon they said that 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 it was that it was occipital bone, which is bone from the back, the very back of the head. They all said, I mean, the only doctors who actually uh, were able to handle that fragment, to hold it, to turn it upside down, to look at it, you know, at different angles, all of them said that, that um, it was occipital bone. And of course, David Mantek has, has done uh, some great, great research on this and i think he has he has shown fairly conclusively that it that it uh has to be occipital bone that it is occipital bone does anybody know where the last whereabouts of the harper fragment were like how does that go missing yeah it's a good question well it was it was handed over to uh eventually to the fbi and and then it vanished it's not it's not a, it's, it's not in evidence there's there's no there's no record of it after they got it it's gone. 
Now, I mean, even with Kennedy's brain being missing, can't you look at the skull or is there an issue because maybe some manipulation? Like I know David Lifton talked about manipulation of the body um, post-surgery. I think there's even a document that – and I know people say, well, the guy typed it wrong. And I was like, all right, well, that's a lot to put in a document if you're going to accidentally make a mistake and say manipulation of you know the head area. But do you think that the body was manipulated in a sense? Like, I, I wonder if we could just look at the skull and be able to tell by the skull if there's a certain chunk of it missing out of it. Well, Dr. Humes, uh, he was the chief ops, chief autopsy doctor. Uh, he said at, at the, you know, uh, when, when, um, when he began to, examine the head in front of others. In other words, when the when the official autopsy started, uh, he made the comment that there had been a, there there had a, apparently been surgery to the head or the brain. And and an FBI agent who was there, he wrote this down. Um, he noted this. And um, I think that Doug Horn uh, has developed some really good evidence that there was a that there was a pre-autopsy examination of the body where they 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 um, they altered uh, the head wound as much as they could. They had to remove some fragments and things like that. We we actually have have a couple of witnesses who were who saw it. Uh, one of whom was a direct witness. The other one is is hearsay, but it's it's credible, I think. Um, and then. Um, why do you think they're credible if it's hearsay? Uh, because they had no, no, um, reason to fabricate it. And, and at the time they didn't, they didn't realize that, that they were describing, uh, anything, you know, that, I mean, they didn't realize that this was not the main autopsy. The, they just assumed everything was okay. It was legit. Um, but they, um, and so I, I just, I, uh, these were people who had no conceivable reason to invent this. Yeah. So, um, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the back of the head photos, um, uh, when the FBI agents, uh, Siebert and O'Neill were shown those photos. They, they they said, "Well, this is not how it looked." In fact, one of them even said, "It looks like it's been faked uh, or doctored or altered." Uh, uh, he actually said that to the uh, ARB. Um, and apparently, what happened was that the um, that uh, um, after the autopsy, when they when the uh, morticians reconstructed the skull that the that that the back of the head photos that we now have are the photos that were taken of the reconstructed skull not of the skull as it was at the time of the autopsy but after uh, the autopsy because there was a flap there was a very large flap um, you know, um, back there, and apparently, what they did, and um, is that uh, once once they had the head reassembled, then they 
took some more photos and those photos, at least of the back of the head are the ones that we now have, although they weren't done during the autopsy. And, and, uh, are there any photos lost from, are there any photos lost from the autopsy? Whenever I see those photos, I wonder when they took place because you have Kennedy with his eyes wide open, his mouth open, laying on a table and his neck kind of back like this. And then you have another angle, which is from like the top of his head and it's hanging off the, the table. And I'm like, is this after they mess with the head at all? And then I've seen later photos where the whole right side looks like it's just manipulated. So they re put the head back together, like the skull back together. Well, like, like when the, when the, uh, when the ARRB interviewed Sandra Spencer, who, um, processed some of the autopsy photos and uh and they asked her you know are these is this are these the photos that you developed and she was emphatic no this is they didn't the uh, the photos that i developed uh his head looked nothing like this in those photos she said that he didn't look this bad yeah and of course um um we know that there were a lot of photos that that were uh, taken of the chest, uh, that, that of of the neck area that that uh, um, that were made when the when there were probes in the wounds. Those those aren't in evidence anymore. Um, they're gone. Um, uh, even Hume said he uh, he distinctly remembered. Uh, having some photos of, of the chest cavity taken. And that makes sense since they were, you know, they were trying to find out where the back wound went. Um, and uh, we have overwhelming evidence now from the, from the accounts uh, of, of the unsealed documents that on the night of the autopsy, the doctors were absolutely sure that the back wound was shallow and, and had no exit point. And um, Boswell even admitted this to uh, the ARB that at the time that you know they they could not that they could stick their tip of their finger finger in the wound and a probe in the wound um, and they could not see where it they could see no entry into the chest cavity. And uh, in fact, there were there were the um, Dr. Carney even said that uh, you know he he was watching this and he heard a number of the people around say that they could see that, that the they could they could see the end of the probe pushing up against the lining of the chest cavity. So that means that that wound had no exit point; it stopped. Um, Might have been a misfire and. That would explain why, why a lot of the witnesses said that one of the shots sounded different from the other shots. So if, if, if that back wound shot was a misfire, then it would have been shallow. And uh, so. I didn't know about that. I, I would have thought two different guns with two shooters. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah well, you, you, you would have one shot going into the back. And then you would have something, I think it was a piece of the windshield going um, into the throat. Have you looked into the bunch shirt theory, which is when they talk about that's why that 
wound looks like it's back there and it kind of came out his throat. I think that's how it goes. I haven't really looked into it because it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. But they talk about like turning at the right angle and it goes through a bunch of muscle fibers or something like that, like the perfect time. I'm like, okay, so the bullet is just one of those that just it was going to find its target either way. Well, if you look at all the photographic evidence um, from the motorcade, uh, now his his coat was bunched up some, you know, maybe an inch the most, inch and a half, if you want to be generous. Uh, but it was not it was not bunched in the right place to allow to explain why the holes were over five inches lower. Um, well, when you see him go like this below the collar, yeah, and do that, then you see the shirt bunch up. But before that, there's not really well, a the bunch shirt. Up. Yeah, well, see now the shirt um, was a tailor-made shirt, uh, and um, he was sitting on the shirt. I mean, against the seat, you know. So, so there. I mean, that would have held the shirt down. Plus, it uh, of course he, he uh, his shirt collar was buttoned, so that's also going to um, make it hard for the shirt to move much plus you also had the coat on top of the shirt and so the idea that the shirt uh could have bunched in almost perfect correspondence with the coat i mean like it would have almost had to be uh you know square inch by by square inch almost exactly matching how the coat bunched and that's just you know i think it's just crazy i you know it's he was wearing a tie wasn't he yes he was yeah could you be able to look at see if the tie was messed up at all if there was a wound in his neck well we don't have any um pictures or footage that 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 show his tie after the shooting started uh they're just not you know because he has his he has his hands up as he emerges from behind the freeway sign. He has his hands up to his you know his his throat. He he's trying to clutch at his throat, and so you can't really you can't really see his tie. And then he gets you know and then at, at around frame two twenty six he gets uh, he gets jolted sh- um, sharply forward. Now that's obviously. I think that's the back shot, and I think that the shot that hit that caused him to, you know, to uh, uh, to start to move his hands toward his throat. I think that that was the throat shot, and those are clearly two separate shots. You know, uh, the um, the first shot came before the freeway sign. It started. I mean, uh, uh, even the HSCA photographic experts said that that he that he starts to react at around frame um 190 he's waving and then all of a sudden his hand freezes just stops in place and he starts to bring his his hands down toward his throat and then he and then of course that's at frame 207 uh uh, you can't see him you know, after 207 because he's behind the sign for a, a split second and then as he emerges you can see his his hands are up at his throat and then after that point then he's jolted forward and it's and really um th- this 
this reaction is 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 one of the most obvious uh, in the Zapruder film, second only to the headshot, of course. But if you look at the at the Zapruder film, starting in frame two twenty six, going to about frame two thirty two or two thirty three, he's he's jolted visibly forward. His arms are flung, his elbows are flung up. He's he's jolted forward. You know, obviously something hit him in the back. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to, hard, hard to avoid that conclusion. I would say I would agree with the Gil Jesus on this one because he talked about, it looked like a bullet had hit him in the throat and he looked like he was trying to cough something up. Like if you had something and I would think it wouldn't just be a straight shot right at him. But I mean, if you look at the windshield aspect of things and I know that safety glass. So if it's possible that a fragment or something could have went in there. I mean, if you look at the motorcade damage, there wasn't just little dings on the side of the motorcade, but there was a right above the rear view mirror. There was a whole dent from a bullet hitting that there was one that fell back into the seat that John or try to do his whole you know recreation of the scenario and they that's not that wasn't submitted into evidence so it was like where did that go and there was like a lot more than obviously just two shots being fired and i try and bring this up a lot of times when you talk about like because there's a i'm sure you've probably seen it through the community but there's like a sign of patriotism to like agree with the government on this one which is just like the government's going to do their job and that's when i bring up like the warren commission for instance i think everyone knows that it was like however many members but they all had amazing resumes uh really good careers in the military and everyone goes well their word's going to be good right earl warren's word's going to be good but then it's like how many interviews did they attend when they were doing the whole you know an investigative process well not that many and then you kind of look at just the whole aspect of people just seeing their authorities say one thing and be like that's good enough for me and move on but you got to bring up the main example which is it's an investigation who does the investigation? People. What do people do? They make mistakes. For instance, three shots fired at Kennedy, all of them hit. And then James Tague comes out of nowhere saying, no, I had a piece hit a cement block. And then the piece came up and hit me in the cheek. And then now it goes to three bullets that all hit Kennedy. Now it's two bullets. But now we have other bullets that damage around the motorcade. So unless these bullets had rubber on them and they're able to just ding right into somebody and start bouncing all over the vehicle, there was more than obviously three shots fired. Right. Well, and, you know, they um, we know from the Warren Commission records that they recognized even before um, even before the James Tague incident became widely known that they knew that there was a problem with with the reactions of JFK and Connolly. Uh, and and so they knew that uh, that they they had to um, that saying that there were three shots that hit the target that you know uh, two hit JFK one hit Connolly um, that 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 was not going to work um, and then and then along came. Tag, and then they really said, "Okay, well, we definitely can't have um, three shots hitting men in the car," and so that therefore they they um, you know had to have the single bullet theory. But, but as far as the government, you know, it's interesting. Um, you talk about patriotism and the government, and saying, "Well, if the if the government 
said this and I'm going to agree with it. Well, the government um, later changed its mind in the form of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which, of course, reached very different conclusions than the Warren Commission. The, um, the HSCA said that there were two gunmen who fired at JFK, that one of the shots came from the front, that Jack Ruby had extensive mafia ties, that uh, that somebody helped Ruby um, get into the basement of the Dallas Police Department to shoot Oswald, that that Oswald had uh, had associate had an association, some kind of a relationship with David Ferry, Clay Shaw, and and Guy Bannister. I mean, it actually says that in the report. Now they don't go into any. Um, they say it was like an an unspecified or an unidentified or an unclear relationship, but that he did. You know, they 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 acknowledge that uh, he had some kind of an association with those three guys, and of course that raises all kinds of questions why would a marxist be be hanging around clay shaw david ferry and guy bannister that makes no sense if he if he truly was was a marxist it makes no sense at all do you not think he was a communist no i don't i don't there's a quote from reagan which is that someone who reads uh, or someone who's a communist is someone who reads uh, marx and lenin and then there's another one where it says, and someone who's in. Well, I've read Marx and Lenin. I mean, well, I've that, read Marx and Lenin. It's, but I'm it's, not a communist. It's Reagan's quote is that someone who, uh, someone, someone's a communist said that, uh, you know, you read Marx and Lenin. And then he says, someone who's anti communist is someone who understands Marx and Lenin. Okay. There you go. And it's a pretty impactful quote if you really think about it. Cause like when I try and understand, like I know they label him as like, oh, he's a communist and all this. I mean, Johnson in his little back messages said that he did not believe just it was a lone nut. He thought that there was some type of Cuban involvement in there. And I think everyone, even in the government, had their doubts on the single lone assassin theory. But it, I think it meant a little bit more because of the height of communism back then and how scary it was that people just wanted you to go after whoever thought that they were going to be at war again. And I mean, you would think that why wouldn't they just go into Cuba if that's what they wanted in the first place? But I don't know necessarily if that's what they actually want you know what i mean like it's a it's a complicated issue people bring up good points on both sides of the warren commission argument side and then also on the conspiracy side as well too i'm just surprised that the hsca does not get a mention in our history books they proved so much about the warren commission that was just wrong whether it was lee harvey oswald's rifle they interviewed marina oswald or her name at that point was miss porter and asked if lee harvey oswald ever you know owned a rifle and all this stuff she goes I don't know. Do you know the difference between a rifle and a shotgun? No. What's the difference? Different different ammunition? He goes, okay, wh what? You said in the Warren Commission statement that says that you said that you pointed out Lee Harvey's rifle, but now you're saying you don't know the difference between a rifle and a shotgun. You know, like there's very impactful things that the HSCA was able to prove. I do think it was a bit of a whitewash towards the ending. I think they were pressured a little bit too much. Um, they had time restraints. They had a lot of media attention as well too. And there was obviously a narrative that they had to get it wrapped up quicker um because of all those time restraints which i feel like if they would have had full access to full documentation on the cia i mean when i spoke with blakey he was 
he felt like the CIA kind of withheld stuff from him. And I'm like, yeah, it's oh, that, definitely, yeah, definitely. That, that word national security. I mean, if you request for a document and they say it's national security reasons, they can't give it to you. But it's like our job is to look at those documents and be able to see if there is something going on more than what the official story was. All the facts that you just mentioned are why the HSCA is not uh, – isn't mentioned very often in our history books because they they so clearly um, deviated from the Warren Commission. Uh, even though they they said that that Oswald uh, that uh, he was the gunman, um, but they 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 did so in a way that just uh, that is just not not acceptable to um, lone gunman theorists. In fact, if, if you go, I think you've seen uh, in the education forum, but also on other forums that um, those who, who, those who accept the Warren commission do not like the HACA at all. Uh, that uh, they'll use, they'll use um, some of the HSCA's work, just the parts that they like, but they have to ignore all all kinds of other things that the um, that the HSCA found, and and um, when you ask them about the conclusions about uh, you know Oswald's ties with Shaw, Ferry, and 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 Bannister about about the acoustical evidence, about the shot from the front about about Ruby's mafia ties and on and on we could go. They don't like that stuff. I uh, I've spoken to three members of the Assassination Records Review Board, and I asked if Doug Horn was the only dissenter amongst them because he's the only one I ever really hear about that ever be became like I guess a super critic of everything that was going on, whether it was the Zapruder film. But every single one of them. Toonheim, I mean, he believes it was Lee Harvey Oswald, but Toonheim believes it was unethical that when he requested documents for the prior death threats on Kennedy, that the Secret Service destroyed them two weeks after he requested for them. You know, and then speaking to David Montague, when he's talking about going to the archives, go look at the photos of the brain, and he's looking at them, and he's like, my personal opinion, which is what someone says right before they say something conspiracy. And he goes, This is Kennedy's brain? Like, this is the, this is the, this is what. I saw in the Zapruder film at the, you know, you hear things like that. And then Tom, Tom Samaluk, I mean, he doesn't stand in the boat of going into like Richard case, Nigel and all those figures, which I don't think you need them. I think it's, you really, when you look at the evidence and see what happened when there was things of the cover up, what it does prove is that something is going on, whether it's unethical or whether it's conspiracy, whatever you want to say, but it wasn't a proper investigation. And I mean, it goes into which I think we talked about this on your first episode, which is like the Zapruder film alterations and certain frames that were taken out when it gets into medical evidence, which I'm still learning. I'm trying my best to, uh, and then also ballistics evidence thing. The, the public doesn't know what any of that stuff is. So your word, if you're a pathologist, or if you're anybody, they're going to accept it because they just don't know. So when you get into film alterations and editing, I mean, life magazine bought the Zapruder film. And then stored it for 10 years. If the technology to manipulate things film-wise or do whatever wasn't available back then, would that be reason for why they stored it for so long? I mean, what would be the reason besides having some type of government covert media asset? It'd be like, you can't release that. 
But even then, they wouldn't have Life magazine hold it. Back in 63, um, they had the means to alter the Sapruder film. But um, um, yeah, um, lots of good points. See that, that, uh, but I think that that's another reason that, that, that the HSCA hasn't been very widely talked about among historians. Um, they just found too much stuff that is disturbing that that you that you can't make fit into the lone the lone assassin theory it just doesn't work and um uh you know if you want to talk about science i mean the 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 acoustical evidence um is largely rejected by both sides yeah josiah thompson had that evidence examined by some scientists at at the firm of BBM, um, and um, uh, they ran um, some additional tests, and, and they confirmed that the that the HSCA scientists got it right. That they were right. That there are at least four gunshot impulses on that tape, um, and 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 that the crosstalk is not a problem. It's it's not a time indicator. Uh, it was an anomaly. And that it that uh, that it, it does not and it does not prove that the gunshot impulses occurred after after the assassination. Uh, I think that 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 uh, that much is clear. And even David Kaiser, uh, who's really careful, and I I mean I think he's way too careful, but uh, he was on here. Yeah. Okay. Even he talking about um, talking about the. the the acoustical evidence, he makes the point that that uh, it's 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 hard to believe that it's just a coincidence that that the test shots fired in Dealey Plaza during 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 the HSCA tests there in Dealey Plaza that those shots match in time. And location as you plot them, they they match um, the Dictabelt tape. Uh, that's that's an astounding coincidence. I I, I mean, don't they say it was because a motorcycle cop had his microphone stuck? If in that's a coincidence, position? it's an amazing coincidence that 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 you would have um, these correlations where it 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 tracks. You know, each one tracks exactly where uh it's supposed to be at the right time going going um right down that street just you know one two three four right in order right in the right place uh, the idea that those those correlations are are all um just a con just a coincidence is is it's just unbelievable. I think. Where did and, the and, where yes. did the where did the creation of the motorcycle cops with his microphone stuck in the on position come from? Well, he admitted it at first. Um, uh, I mean, how does that damage that the was acoustics? A... The, that's the thing. Is like that's whatever. Whenever you bring up the acoustics, someone mentions that motorcycle cop scenario and says that's why it's unreliable. Well, we know that there was a okay. 
we absolutely know that there was a microphone stuck open. I mean, that's indisputable. Um, the only issue is whose mic was stuck open. And initially, um, McLean admitted that it was his mic and, and that his mic would often um, stick in the open position. Um, then, I don't know what happened, but then uh, later on, he tried to back away from that. Um, but um, Mr. Ashkenazi, one of the acoustical scientists, said, well, okay, look at, you know, um, however you, however you want to, to think about the microphone, whose it was, okay, in order to have the sounds that you have on that tape, those impulses, if that's, if, if they, if they were not made in Dealey Plaza, they would had to have been made in an exact um, duplicate of Dealey Plaza because of the echo um, patterns, all of which were measured uh, very precisely. He said, that's just how it, how it works out. I mean, it can't be any other way. If these impulses were not made in Dealey Plaza, then they had to have been made in, in an exact replica of Dealey Plaza. I, I understand that with getting them to match up perfectly like that. That's like one big hell of a coincidence. And if you look at the assassination, it seems like the answer to everything is, oh, it's just a coincidence. It's like there's only so many coincidences in the world. But the acoustic evidence, like I said, with the motorcycle cop is one thing that gets brought up where both sides have completely just thrown that out. So then it, with that little bit of just throwing out the acoustic evidence, now the whole HSCA seems to be spoiled in a lot of the people, researchers' eyes as well, too, whether they were able to prove some things or not. And I go, I mean, the history books can at least talk about them from the stuff they did get to prove wrong about the Warren Commission or things that the Warren Commission just added in there and didn't seem to clarify any more than that. The HSCA just tackled more of the mob, which makes me wonder, what did they see? Like, Jeremy Gunn's a name I want to talk to because I read his files, and they're all like Jack Ruby stuff. And I'm like, what have you come across i mean does i don't know if he dissents from the warren commission or if he thinks there was conspiracy involved he might be a straight shooter i don't know but there's a david even speaking with david kaiser the mob influence and other aspects of things i don't put like all my cards into that i still believe like military industrial complex for sure but honestly i think it's so many varying factors i don't think it's just one because well at the time yeah well, you, you have to keep in mind um but at the time, the the mob was often hired by the CIA or by by um, elements of the CIA um, to do dirty work, to do assassinations, um, to do other things. And so it it's it, it isn't either or. I mean, it it would it would actually make sense since that's you know that's how the CIA. Uh, that's how elements of the CIA did did certain assassinations. They would hire the mafia, and so it, it makes it makes sense that for something like this, they would have hired the mafia again, since they they'd hired them before. And the mafia, of course, uh, had huge reasons for wanting Kennedy dead, especially um, 
Traficante and 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 Marcelo because he was waging um, JFK was was waging a war on the mafia. Uh, uh, R- a very you mean RFK? Well, JFK and RFK. I mean, yeah, um, RFK as the Attorney General, he was the spearhead of it. But I mean, uh, JFK it's it stopped him. He would have stopped. So obviously. Um, JFK was allowing him to do that and uh, it was having a devastating effect on the mafia it was hurting their profits they were under uh, tremendous pressure because of this and so 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 they had a they had a very strong motive for wanting JFK dead what do you think their reason was, the Warren Commission's reason for saying that Jack Ruby had no Dallas police connections? Well, they were trying to make him look like like another lone nut. He was just a loner. He was unbalanced, irrational. I mean, this is what they were they were trying to to put across, and that he just had a fit of of rage. He was he was trying to spare. Jackie and Caroline, the trauma of a trial. And so when he was, he just happened to be at the Western Union, uh, even though there was a Western Union actually in Oak Cliff where he could have gone. I mean, if he was really in a hurry to uh, to wire the money to that girl named Carlin, um, he could have gone to to the Western Union in Oak Cliff, but instead he, he drove downtown to the Western Union right across the street from the police headquarters where where they were transferring Oswald. And so the story was that he he just happened to be at, at the Western Union because he, he needed to send um, money to 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 one of his dancers. And then he he saw the he you know he realized that he saw this crowd over there. He went over in a fit of rage and he shot Oswald. Well, that's not true because we have photos of him dressed up as a reporter at the midnight press conference, correcting somebody on the. Oh yeah, he was stalking Oswald before. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, the oh, Warren yeah. Commission. To me, those are suspicious. Like, I mean, if you're a reporter and you're filming this guy talking, but we have photos of clearly Jack Ruby standing off to the back right wearing glasses, and then even if you believe Seth Cantor, who saw Ruby at Parkland Hospital, like I would have oh, thought, yeah. like yeah. maybe he's just a very curious guy and he thinks that he obviously knew a lot of people, despite what the Warren Commission said about him. But I mean, he was involved into like every single. Or he was there to was plant a bullet. On. Yeah. Or well, you know, I I I think it's entirely possible that that Ruby um, was there to plant a bullet. But uh, you know, how do you how, why do you think that? Um, well, because when uh, when Cantor identified him as as having been um, at the hospital right after the shooting, um. Ruby denied it, and and the Warren Commission um, supported his denial. Well, I'm just wondering. Well, why would you? Why would you deny? I mean, why not say that you were curious? You know that you you were uh, you were a fan of the president, and and uh, like a lot of other people, 
you went to the hospital just to be there just because that's where he was. That's where they were working on him. Um, but instead he said, nope, nope, nope. I wasn't there. Nope, nope. There's no way I was there. Uh, that makes me suspicious that, that, uh, that he was there for, for, um, nefarious reasons. I, I don't know so much about planning a bullet. I definitely think he was there. I do believe Seth cancer on that one, but I, did Ruby actually deny saying that he wasn't there? He said he wasn't there. Yeah. Do you think that's just because he was in around a lot of suspicious activity? He didn't want to get drawn into maybe being an accomplice with Oswald. Well, I think, I think if he had just been there for, for an, um, an innocent reason, um, he would have just said so. He would have just said, oh, look, I like a lot of other people. I went to the hospital because that's where JFK was. I just wanted to be there. Uh, it's, it's a natural thing. Uh, there were lots of people who gathered at the hospital for that for that same reason. Yeah, but most people were outside, not inside. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But but I'm saying, why why deny that you were even there in the first place if you, if you weren't doing anything wrong? Uh, I don't understand why, why he would have just, uh, why he would not have just said, well, yeah, I was there. I, you know, I was, I was a fan of JFK, which he actually wasn't, <clears throat> but you know, he, he could have just said, uh, well, I was there the same reason a lot of other people went there because, you know, I, I, I was a fan of JFK and I, I was concerned about him and I just wanted to be there. The part where he's a fan of JFK, I mean, the Warren Commission stated that his heart went out to Jackie Kennedy and that she was welcome at his club anytime because he felt such grave loss. I think it was a, a story his lawyer created, if I'm not mistaken, when he was being sentenced or his had, first well, trial. Yes. Yeah, well, actually, uh, Ruby admitted that um, in a note that, that he wrote, and we have the note, um, uh, he wrote a note to his second attorney where he said, by the way, this, this story that I shot Oswald because I was trying to spare Jackie a trial, my first lawyer, he told me to say that. And that's in writing. I'm sorry. I haven't seen that note. I've heard that, that that was the story, but I've never seen the note before. I've watched the videotape. I like watching the footage a lot. Like if you look if like there was a family feud style thing where you had a giant screen behind me, like show me Jack Ruby. And you put that up there. There's so many footage clips of Jack Ruby just walking around, looking around at some of the most sensitive moments of every single part of like either that weekend that day it was just insane where i'm like if you're not trying to get caught or deny the fact that you were even there you look really suspicious in all of these yeah um no but that's been established that 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 he definitely told his second attorney that uh that his story about why he shot Os his initial story about why he shot oswald was given to him by his first attorney now, um, after he was sentenced, no one though, disputes that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, no one disputes that. Now, when he gets his first trial, what happens? How did he get a retrial? Um, they said that um, that the trial should not have been held at Dallas. That 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 the jury pool was was. Um, was contaminated since there were so many, you know, 
it was an emotional issue, obviously. But didn't he, I'm about to say, didn't he get the death penalty? So I was like, how was it? He, he, he yeah. got the death penalty. Yep. So then with the retrial. Well, see, I think, you know, I think he had been promised uh, that uh, he would eventually get off with a light sentence. I mean, it wasn't unusual uh, in Dallas for people who, who were found found guilty of murder, but but it was it, it was a murder of passion. It's a spur of the moment that that that, that they got off with um, with a slap on the wrist with almost nothing. Well, they called it a spout of insanity. Yeah, and so uh, so I think the real story is he had an epileptic seizure that caused him to shoot oswald where i was like damn dude you had a seizure literally walking right up to the guy and decided to do that that's how bad of a seizure it was you didn't just fall on the ground you managed to ghost walk all the way up to in between all these reporters and cops and shoot him right in the stomach but i think he was shocked by the fact that uh that uh, he was charged with first degree murder and uh that the prosecution um that the prosecutors that the prosecutors actually, actually um, went after him. I think he was surprised by that, and then I think he was shocked when he got the death penalty. And I, I think it was it was uh, at that point he decided he was at uh, uh, he, you know, that uh, he'd been he'd been set up, he'd been betrayed, and so uh, and I I think he felt that even even after he was granted a new trial, <clears throat> I just think he he had lost confidence in the promises he'd been given. And, and I think that's why, that's why he's, he started talking, uh, talking about a conspiracy where he actually said in a filmed interview that there had been a conspiracy. I mean, when it comes to new research, I mean, are there any areas you decided to look into? I'm pretty sure you probably went down a different route than most that I've talked to when it comes to probably looking more towards a mob connection. Seems like you're interested a little bit more into the mob as well, too. No, no, no. I think the mob was a secondary player. I think that they were the hired gun or one of the hired guns. I don't think that they were the main, main um, movers and shakers <laughs> behind the plot. I mean, it's it's possible that that uh, like. Traficante and 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 um, Marcelo uh, were were a part of the discussions held by guy you know by the those those who were higher up. It's possible, um, and I but I mean you know it, it's just hard to say exactly how high up they were in the plot. Uh, I mean they were powerful men. They controlled a lot of assets. They had a lot of money, but if if you look at the history of of the relationship between the mafia and the CIA, um, the CIA was always the main driver. That they were in charge. That uh, that 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 they were the paymaster or the boss of the CIA in cases where they used them for for um criminal activity mainly assassination well have you ever looked into jack ruby's visit to cuba and do you think that he visited traficante i've asked a I couple do. people this question yes i do 
I believe, I believe, uh, I forget his name's Wilson or is it Hudson? Something, somebody that the reporter that was in the jail that saw a man named Ruby visit Traficante. I believe him just because he went to the FBI after Ruby shot Oswald. And he said that, and I know they call him a crackpot reporter and everything, but then a later investigation proved that Ruby did go to Havana when that guy said that Ruby was in Havana or he saw a guy named Ruby visit Traficante. The HSCA, uh, they, they, uh, um, developed a lot of evidence along that line and um they they concluded that the um the reports that uh ruby visited uh traficante uh, were credible do you think i mean obviously i've talked to blakey like i said about the hsca but the, do you think that it was doomed to fail because they had a, somebody that broke into their safe and went through all the autopsy photos. Now, Blakey said it was just a low-level guy that ended up losing his uh, st status. Um, but I go, you have to have both of those safe combinations to open up the safe that he opened up. And he went through all those autopsy photos without any gloves. And also went through a journal as well, too, and left it on like a window or something like that. Where I'm just like, that's not just like, I'm curious, I'm going to look through. This is like, I'm going to see what's going on here and this guy I, to me it made it seem like there was a plant and that's how I, I hear from a lot of people they don't even trust the archives and i've asked a couple arb members about that just because i mean it is a government institution and if like i said government's holding the evidence i mean a lot of things started to go missing so it's like you know i mean it's not I don't say like they're in on it or anything like that but i kind of look at it a little bit differently it's why i think it's important to put it all online there's so many files that are still not online not about the stuff that is still classified but there's plenty of stuff that was online and now it's a bad gateway when you click on it or error and you can't get to the actual file many of mary farrell's documents that she has on there are like that yeah well, i think the etchy I think the HACA was a huge step forward in the investigation. I think that they did a, a lot of great work. Um, I used to be very, very critical of Blakey, but the more I've, I've researched the case, uh, the more I've read, uh, the more favorable my view of him has become. I think he was in a very, very difficult situation. I think he, he showed a lot of courage. I, I think he did the best job that he could at the time, given the forces that were up against him and that were, you know, that were, that were doing all they could to hinder the investigation, to block the investigation. I think he did a, actually he did a very, a very um, good job not a perfect job. There are, there are, there are a lot of things. Um, I wish he had done. I, I think he did. I think he did make some, some bad decisions. Um, but I think overall, overall, uh, that the HSCA was a, was a large step forward and that it brought us a lot of, a, a huge amount of important information. I mean, just, just, um, Look at all the information that that has been gained from from the HSCA medical interviews, and from the Lopez report, and and things like that. And yes, yes, they were sealed uh, and 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 uh, everything, but they were, but um, you know, um, had it not been for 
the work that the HSCA did when the ARRB came along and started to started to unseal all, all these files. Um, all those HSC files that have that have that have given us so much information would not have been there had it not been um, for Robert Blakey. So I've 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 mellowed in my view of him. I think that uh, that as I said that uh, but overall he did a good job um, the best he could under the circumstances. When it comes to the HSCA, and do you think that their proof of conspiracy or their idea that there was a conspiracy on the basis of Jack Ruby shooting Oswald, I think that's the only thing that kept the door open for their allowed to be so many, so many years of research that had been looking into the conspiracy aspect of things. Like if it would have been like, nope, everything was right, I feel like we wouldn't have the open transparency in documents. We wouldn't have any of it, what we have today. Well, you know, here, see, here you get into an area where, uh, you know, I am, uh, I'm frustrated uh, uh, with Blakey. Um, you know, there, there, I mean, there were, there were areas that they could have pursued that they didn't pursue. Um, and, uh, you know, things as far as, as the CIA angle, if you read, read, read Gaten Fonzie's book, The Last Investigation, um, You'll get some idea of of what I'm talking about, but just you know things where he was holding them back from uh, following certain leads and things like that. Having um, off the books dinners about conversations like JM Wave, I've seen the documents for that. Okay, so yeah, but the um, craziest one is Scott Beckenridge explaining to Blakey about how murder is okay in certain circumstances. Oh yeah, yeah. he was like, you can. He was like, let me put it to you like this. And the document goes on to talk about if you could go back in time and kill Hitler. And it was just like, that's something I see in a movie and it's in an HSCA document where I'm like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think Blakey was wise to pursue um, Ruby's mafia ties since obviously, I mean, you know, uh his career in criminal racketeering, so yeah, but but for Oswald to get shot so soon af after being arrested and under such um, suspicious circumstances, I mean, he he was in the basement of the police department. You would think that that would be a secure spot and that they could transfer him without. Uh, is being shot, but he gets shot. And of course, at the time, this really, this really fueled um, a lot of people's suspicions that, you know, that there was something going on here. I mean, here, here, you know, he's arrested and uh, barely 48 hours later, he's shot dead in the, in the basement um, of the police department by a guy who was not supposed to be there. Um, and um, so I, I think that uh, Blakey rightly saw that as an angle that 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 ought to be pursued, and that if he could find if he could find evidence of um, of of um, mafia ties on the part of Ruby, that that would that would be something that would 
be very important. And he did. I would like to look through Time Magazine or Life's archives, their own personal newspaper archives. Some of that stuff probably is not online. I feel like that's a great place for them to have a lot of information on the assassination. I've come across a lot of documents from Life Magazine and reporters, but they're all CIA documents. But what about Life's Mag Life Magazine's newspaper archives, the stories, the headlines, everything that they ran with the side stories? I was talking to a reporter for the New York Times, and he was talking about – because they're looking at – the UN in 2013 decided to relook into the death of Dag Hammarskjöld, um, and yeah. Alan Dulles might – be one of those names that caused his whole death definitely and, um, definitely yep. yep so when i was talking to this reporter he talked about that he was just digging into the new york times archives and found the story of dag hammershaw and decided to look into it and then did a bunch of research and then wrote a book about it where i start going life magazine what about their archives does anybody put a subpoena on life magazine to open up their archives or anything of that sort and i know the newspaper's not really around anymore but you got to this point where it's like you could still go to the whoever owns that whole establishment or they probably know some connection to something and then just look into every single document they have look around the time when they bought the Zapruder film look at what was going on over there look at the transactions i've heard transactions of alan dulles and i've seen it in a document of giving one of the life reporters three thousand dollars and there's no explanation of what that three thousand dollars was for now i'm not saying that's anything for the Zapruder film i'm not saying any of that but there's a lot of connections where there's meetings and plenty of CIA documents to show that there was media assets and Times uh, – what was it? DC Times or something like that back then. There's a list of like 14 or 15 different people that were like vice presidents or presidents of these giant newspaper corporations where it's Project Mo or Operation Mockingbird. But you, you start going – is anybody going to subpoena any information on these people? How many documents that could be still sealed that could have information on these people? Yeah, well, I mean, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any chance of uh, of that stuff being subpoenaed because that would that would be have to, that would have to be done by a government entity. And right now, anyway, I, I don't see a lot of interest on the part of the government in in um reopening the case or you know uh following up on this on all the new evidence that that has been found uh over the last 20 years it'd be nice if they would yeah well, we could all hope but at least the research community and people like yourself have been looking into it for a long time at least educating the public about it as well too i mean doing podcasts is pretty important when you're just giving out information as well too i mean i appreciate the time you gave me again to talk about this i've tried my best i think we didn't have a plan for this episode to talk about what we were going to talk about i just had some questions on some things and the medical evidence has been an area i kind of stayed away from um just because it seems like that is where the most fighting and controversial stuff happens in the community of things where you really can't get an answer so I'm kind of more looking at like s some simple weird things that I think would raise questions for anybody. Like how come you shoot a, shoot a president, shoot a cop, and then go to a theater? And then also how do you – like he was got a job there a month before Kennedy had two other speeches in Dallas. He could have took a shot when Kennedy was sitting at a podium standing still, took the day off work, didn't leave a note, said I'm a patsy. You know, There's a lot of things that just raise suspicious like you know, to anybody. Well – I think the medical evidence is. Um, I think if you uh, if you uh, go to the major JFK 
assassination forums like the education forum and then um there's another one that's that's just called the jfk assassination forum i i think you'll see that 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 lone gunman theorists have no good answer for for the medical evidence uh, especially about the um the fragments in the back of the head uh the bullet fragments in the back of the head i mean there's just uh, there's no i mean even their even their own wound ballistics expert larry sturdivant um has admitted that, that you know that uh, no that that that, that the ammo that that oswald used that oswald allegedly used simply would not leave any fragments on the back of a skull it just wouldn't happen it's never happened in, in the history of forensic science um in the in and in all the tests um that have been done it's never happened it didn't it didn't happen in the in the warren commission's tests um and so I think that that's a that's a really strong area of evidence. In fact, um, you know, it's interesting uh, in the JFK assassination forum, um, the the uh, the Warren Commission apologists there strenuously tried to tried to argue that there that there that there were, that there were no fragments on the back of the head. Uh, incredibly enough, and um, of course we have we have plenty of evidence that there were fragments that there were fragments on the back of the head, uh, and, and the Clark panel identified them. Um, the uh, uh, the HSCA medical experts um, identified them. Uh, the uh, A the A the the uh, ARRB. Pathologist identified at least one fragment back there, and so that's a that's a huge problem for the lone gunman theory. I mean, the, the, you know, those fragments should not be there if the kind of ammunition used was the kind of ammunition that Oswald is said to have used. They shouldn't be there, and but yet they are. Was there ever an explanation of why it was FMJ rounds? Well, those those are the kind of those those are the kinds of rounds um, that they found in the sixth floor window. So, okay, yeah, it's, it's just weird. It doesn't seem like common ammunition. And so they assume. Well, so since those were the kinds of rounds that they found in the window. They said, okay, well then, you know, these, these are the kinds of bullets that hit Kennedy and Connolly. But see now, now that, that has become a, a huge Achilles heel in the lone gunman theory because of the medical evidence, because of the findings of those fragments on the back of the skull. And, uh, um because it has it has become obvious that that those fragments could not have been made by by an FMJ bullet because it doesn't separate well not in not at that point no it can separate inside the skull um 
And when it does, it separates into a few pieces, not a, you know, not a um, snowstorm of, of tiny fragments. It, it, it separates into maybe six or seven, eight or nine, 10 fragments. And that's what you had in the, uh, in the Warren Commission's wound ballistics tests. That's how they, um, that's what happened every time. There was no, you know, big, big, big snowstorm of fragments like we see um, in the autopsy x-rays. It just didn't happen. I hope it doesn't become a topic that's just going to keep going like this till the end of time where people are just fighting. I think it will. I See, because yeah. I think, I think that there are those who uh, they would, they would still believe in the lone gunman theory. Even if you had, say that you found a note in uh, among Alan Dulles's belongings where he signed and dated it, where uh, uh, he admitted that he, that he was involved in a plot to kill John F. Kennedy. I think he would, there would still be those who would say, well, uh, you know, I, I mean, even if they were able to verify that that it was his handwriting, um, you would you would still have those who would who who would come up with just far fetched explanations. Well, he was he was just he he was playing a, a practical joke. Uh, you know, he was well, whatever. I mean, they they would just because they don't want to believe that that an american president was killed by by a highly placed conspiracy and that and that our news media helped to cover it up they just don't want to believe that uh i mean in in a way i can't believe them i mean it's disturbing i would i would i would much rather um believe that it was just a single guy he was just a lone nut it was just a fluke um that would be a lot more comforting to believe um than the conspiracy view but you know i just i just think that the evidence overwhelmingly favors the conspiracy view well, Mike, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show. I really do. Um, it was good chatting with you again. Is there a place where people can find your links? Uh, yes. You want me to give you the link? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So you oh, want okay. to say it hold off on. and I'll link it in the description. Okay. Hold on just a second here. I know you keep changing sites all around. So. Oh, no, no. I've only changed once in the last seven years and I'm not going to change again. Hold on just a second. I'll get that for you right now. Yeah, I had to change because my old. Uh, I got the drive link where some of your links are, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, my my old host proved unreliable. I thought I was going to have it there um, forever. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, the address is um, sites s i t e s dot google dot com slash view slash jfk assassination website so okay jfk assassination website 
all one word, and then slash home. So sites.google.com slash view slash JFK assassination website slash home. And that's it. And I'm going to link that in the description so everyone can be able to check out your links as well too. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Blank Podcast.